My name is Andy Sitto, and welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar Podcast. My guests today, there's two of them, are Camila Vititis and Alec Wenzel of the Denver jazz-based indie rock outfit, Specific Ocean. All right. Welcome, welcome. I have two guests today, sort of. Um, Alec and I, Alec Wenzel and I, have had a church gig together since 2017. So we've seen each other every Sunday, um, you know, starting at 7.30 in the morning for, for several years now. And I've been meaning to have him on the podcast forever, and I just, I haven't yet. And he just put out a new single with his group Specific Ocean, and I thought this would be a great time to do it. Um, but there, there's certain people, um, you know, that I have on that I that I get on the show that I'm targeting and say, hey, you know, let's do it in three weeks, and I prepare for the interview and this, that, and the other. And then there's other people that I just know really well, you know, like spending five hours a week with them. And so I just say, hey, you want to do a podcast interview tomorrow? And they say, sure. And then we just wake up and do it in the morning. So uh, do the podcast, I mean. <laughs> anyway, that's what happened here. Alex, one of my good good pals. Um, we've, you know, we've hit a couple breweries together. We've played on quite a few church gigs. He's just a good dude. And I have a lot of fun chatting with him. But then I was thinking after I sent him the text, I said, you know what? I should have prepared this a couple weeks out. And... Um, and asked to do it with Camila as well. Oh well, you know, I'll, I'll interview her next time because I'd love to chat with her too. We'll, we'll do that down the line. So then I get on with Alec this morning and, you know, we just start touching base on things before I press record. And he said, you know, it'd be really cool if Camila was here to talk about the new single. And I said, yeah, it would. I'm really sorry. That's, that's my bad. I should have planned this out better and, uh, and gotten you both on and, instead of planning this um, 12 hours ago. So he goes, well, let me see. So he FaceTimes Camila and says, hey, can you jump on? And she goes, I got like 10 minutes. And so she did. She jumped on the Zoom. And we did a Zoom with the three of us. And for these first few minutes, I think it's about six and a half minutes, we talk about the band dynamic and about their new single, The Unity Effect. Um, or Unity Effect. There's no the in front of it. Um, just Unity Effect. Anyway, so we talk about that for a little bit. And then she hops off. And Alec and I just keep talking. However, because there was three people on, Zoom decided to do their 40-minute time limit thing. So we had to stop and press record again. So there's a, there's a tiny, bit of a, tiny bit of a delay, but I, I warned the audience so you know, you know where it's coming and all that good stuff. Um, anyway, that's the conversation. I have. I, I'm going to say one and a half guests. I have two guests, but not not for the full time. And thank you, Camila, for bearing with our our unplanned schedule and just jumping on and chatting with us for a few minutes. It was great. I loved hearing about um, hearing about the new song and about the band dynamic and um, and everything like that. And and hopefully we'll do another episode sometime soon. Right? Okay. So here's what we're going to do because they just put out a new single. We're going to start off by playing that to give you some context for the six and a half minute interview. When that ends, Camila goes to the Camila goes and does her thing. Alec and I stay on. I'll let you know when that happens. You'll know. I'll say, okay, cut that segment. And here starts mine and Alec's segment. We'll do our conversation. And then at the end, I'm going to play their single that came out back in November called Killjoy. So you'll get to hear, you'll get some context before the interview, and you'll get to hear a, a totally rad song after as well. Sound good? Um, if you want to support this podcast in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. And it really helps uh, me keep doing my thing with music, with the podcast, to keep growing. Um, and, and you can support for as little as $3 a month. I know everybody's hitting you up for, for monthly fees and stuff, but... If you've got three bucks, you believe in, in this, um, it's a huge help. And thank you in advance for even considering. If you want to help out in a not monetary way, that's totally, totally okay. I super appreciate that as well. What you can do is give this podcast a five-star review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give me that quick five-star review. 
and say, this podcast is so awesome. It's the best one in the world. And, uh, and then a few of those, and I'll be competing with Joe Rogan. Okay, cool. Let's jump in. Quick thanks to our sponsors. First, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. Also, thanks to Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, go to narratorrf.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, shoot me an email, middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Okay, I have two guests right now. I'm not used to that. I'm outnumbered. You guys just put out a new single called Unity Effect. How are you navigating a release right now? Like, did it make sense to release something at the beginning of 2021 when people still aren't going out a ton yet? How have you navigated the release? It was really cool um, because Lost Lake had just opened to allow limited seating. So we were actually able to do a little release show. um, And it felt really, really meaningful, you know, because we haven't been able to play in so long. And I think people had more interest in it because things were just starting to open up. Um, And I think people are really interested in checking out art right now, since you can't do much else. We've gotten a lot of good response. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Alec, do you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah. And I think what was also really cool about being able to do the show at Lost Lake was that we saw a lot of strangers there you know um like when you when you are trying to sell a venue in the pre-pandemic times right you feel like you try to make it an event right you talk to a friend but then they try to bring like five or six people and you kind of know what's going on you know but when we played this show 
at um, Lost Lake, we were genuinely like, we, we don't know who bought tickets. You know, we saw some of our friends there, but it was like really genuinely strangers who were just interested in getting out and seeing, seeing local art, which I thought was really important. So you maybe had an opportunity to make new fans in a way that we don't normally have as independent musicians, because it is just your, your, you're begging your friends and family to come out and you hope you pick up some fans along the way. Right. Exactly. Right. You're looking at a core group of people who, you know, will support you. And this time around, it was like, you didn't have to ask them, you know, yeah. which was really, really cool. Do you think that'll last Alec? Or do you think that, I mean, for an indie band, getting people out. Do you think that'll last now that we've been deprived of live music um, for a year? Or do you think things will kind of turn back to how they've, how they've been after a few months? Not to be pessimistic. No, I, I mean, I, I would certainly hope so. I think we're at a weird, interesting crossroads where like before it felt like you were fighting every piece of culture to try to get people to come to your show including Netflix and streaming of all sorts, right? Like um, it, it felt like people were overstimulated and asking them to support something that wasn't an immediate comfort or already their favorite thing was really hard. And, sure. you know, and now that we're in this place where we've been so the other way, right? Like everyone's had the opportunity to watch The Office another 50 times, you know, they right. don't want to stay in. Yeah, It might be, you know, it's 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 this point where they're they are sort of starved for like new content right and also there's been this huge focus on supporting local venues local restaurants local artists um because you know there was very little support for it over the pandemic right we always talk about how we see you know millions and millions of art jobs just going out the window right now you know so i think both this combination of a, a desire for something new, something stimulating and real, and also a focus on your local art scenes is sort of driving people that direction right now. And I'd like to see it last, right? Yeah, you right. know, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to see it last. Maybe there'll be a, a roaring 20s in these 20s. So uh, Camila, you, you were telling me that you guys met in 2013. How did you start? When, how did you meet and when did you start playing together? Yeah, we met um, at the University of Denver. We were both students at the Lamont School of Music in the jazz program. And Alec and I like became pretty immediate friends. And we had some other friends in the program and we were all kind of, you know, saturated in jazz all the time and wanted to play something else. And also, I think our jazz backgrounds also really have played into our overall sound. Um, so yeah, Alec and I, we've had some personnel changes, but Alec and I have really just been through it the whole time together since 2014, we've been going. And Camille, I'll stay with you on this one. Is what is that like, um, having two people that are the band, but having to go through lineup changes? I mean, do you, what, what is that process like? Is it frustrating? Because some of your tunes are pretty difficult to play, I would guess. Um, is it tricky to get players to, to come in sometimes? Yeah, I think the, really until recently, we had another core member, Clayton Vi, who is still, you know, in many ways is a core member. Clayton is so important to our sound and to everything we've ever done. And um, yeah, we've, I guess Alec and I have always kind of been, the ones who write the harmonic progression or the melodic content. So it hasn't, Oh, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> it's, it's hard to, to teach people these songs, but we're, you know, when you, you know, so many professional musicians in the scene with jazz backgrounds who can handle it, you know, that's true. That's true. Uh, but it's awesome to have a collaborator. Like Alec and I know each other so well, we're best friends. We can like, tell what each other are going to do musically. Um, it's really like a special musical partnership that I feel really lucky to have. Yeah, I ditto, ditto everything that was just said. Well, I appreciate and I wish all the success with this single and the next one. You guys have been putting out music consistently. So congrats on on that. Um, and uh, thanks for chatting with me. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome.
There you go. You got to hear the unity effect, and you got to hear from both of them. Now, the longer conversation with Alec Wenzel. We'll jump right in. Are, are you a gearhead? Would you <laughs> call yourself a gearhead? I just want to ask that right now. I want to get this out in the open. I love that that's how you jumped into this. You were like, I was expecting another nice lead in, and yet I got. So how do you feel about all your gear? I know you're an absolute freak for it. Yeah, I am a gearhead. I love my gear. <laughs> you know, it cracks me up because I have so many friends that are gearheads, and they talk to me about it, and they think I care. And and <laughs> the thing, and you can see, like, you can see my collection oh, yeah. here behind yeah. here, but um, but I, but I don't care. I care about my gear, <laughs> but I don't. Somebody suggested to me that I should do a podcast where I talk to musicians about their gear. And I was like, man, I'd rather shoot myself. You're like, why would I want to hear about any of that? Like, that's awful. No, but, but, but do humor us. What's, what's the coolest piece of gear or two you've got right now? I shouldn't have oh. let in that way. I'm sorry. I love gear. <laughs> no, you're that's totally good. Like, I, I love the spontaneity of it. It like <laughs> caught me off guard. And I think that's, what's exciting about podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the coolest piece of gear that I think I have right now is this uh, PRS Silver Sky, which is just like an amazing rendition of a Strat that I've never played, but I'm such a Strat freak. I'm a Strat overdrive freak. Now, for, for our listeners who aren't musicians, describe a Strat. Is that the thing that goes around your neck to hold your guitar up? <laughs> That's the strap. Um, you got to stay strapped, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, a strat, a Stratocaster is a um, three pickup single coil electric guitar um, started to really get popular in the late 50s um, and has been like at the core sound of a lot of your favorite rock and roll tracks and favorite guitar, probably a lot of your favorite artists, you know? Yeah. It's very, very common. And so people are always obsessing over the details of them and but they're also unique too because you know i think the single uh single coil pickup is very expressive and so it lends itself very well to um you know an individual's player playing style an individual player's playing style yeah 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 and and i guess too if, if you were to walk into a guitar center or google eric clapton you could also find what one of these look like relatively easily yeah, with, with no no trouble at all. It's it's possibly the most famous style of guitar on the planet. And that's the John Mayer version of it. Yeah, it's the PRS-built John Mayer version. So from my understanding, um, John Mayer originally had a deal with Fender. Um, and, you know, had, had his custom guitar, right? They've got a bunch of these, right? The Eric Clapton Stratocaster, the... Uh, Steve Ray Vaughn Stratocaster, like the Buddy Guy Stratocaster. There's there's a billion Stratocasters. They all sound a little bit different. You can obsess over them. All these famous players have their own. And John, at a certain point, became uncomfortable with the quality control that was happening, is what my understanding was. Again, this is hearsay. I don't yeah. want to be attacked on comment and message boards that, you know, like by my six followers for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And um, and this one is meant to mimic a, a 63 style Stratocaster. So like these brighter, more overwhelmed pickups or not, they're not overwhelmed technically, but they are, they are very bright um, and they feel a little bit more powerful than I've than other wines in the same style that I've played. And then the other big thing I think is also the, um, the rounded fretboard, right? So most modern guitars have a 10 and a half inch fretboard or, or a nine and a half. Modern Stratocasters tend to see nine and a half. Mm -hmm. And that means that you have a very flat, um, flat fretboard. And so this is actually like seven and a quarter, I believe, which is like more what the vintage style was. Um, yeah. So it's technically, you know, meant more for, it's, it's, I, I don't think it creates that much of a difference. You know, people will say that that's stupid, but I, I don't, I don't notice it as much more than like a feeling, right? Like it feels like it fits in your hand a little bit better, even though it's like very large, it's, it's a larger neck profile than I'm used to, but yeah, it was my, uh, my, I, I, I got a bunch of stuff wrong. I don't actually know that much about this stuff. I just like it a lot, you know? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know what the knobs do, but if you turn this one, 
it, it sounds different. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how yeah. I always feel. Like, <laughs> why does it sound that way? Oh. So <laughs> let's let's talk about how we met really quick. We yeah. Was it 2017 or 2018? I feel like you've been on the gig about as long as I have. Oh, I guess tw- oh, man, was that 2017 or 2018? I th- I think it was 2017. Yeah. January. Does yeah. that sound right to me? Okay. I'll, then I'll then I'll go with that. Um and we've been playing on a church gig together. Yeah. Pretty much every Sunday morning. As, the last year it's been every Sunday morning cuz no one's been go no one's leaving town. It's fun. It's always fun because mm-hmm. when you get the whole group together, because it's a kick-ass yeah. band. I mean, oh yeah, it's sweet. We're allowed to swear on this podcast. I was being all family-friendly and shit. Yeah, you can now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you totally can. It's uh, it's interest. It's interesting because it is really good musicians, right? I mean, it's um, and when you get everybody in the room at the same time, that's really special because usually somebody's gone. Yeah, somebody's on tour somebody's uh you know somebody's got a gig in the mountains late saturday night but for the last year it's been pretty much the core ensemble every sunday and uh it makes it easier to get out of bed at 6 30 or 5 30 if you have hair like yours <laughs> you know people always ask me about this hair routine and i have to tell you um it's it's uh um it's it's the juice that you find at the bottom of a star kiss tuna can yeah conditioner and then you want to use your regular dawn dish soap just directly on it you know and you want to do this for about an hour every day you know just repeating until you're really sick and tired of it folks if there's an episode you want to watch on youtube this is the one you can see the prettiest hair in the world and uh you can find out what a a strap caster looks like (laughs) a strap caster have you have you enjoyed the gig what's the church gig been like for you I love it. I love getting up every Sunday and like getting to see you and Seth and Darren and everyone and, um, and Gina, it's, it's such a fun experience, right? Like, and it's just been so cool to be able to like continue playing for people, whether it was virtual or whether it's coming back into person as we kind of have recently, you know? Um, so it's a, it's a really supportive community and I've thoroughly enjoyed um, being there. It's, it's like, you know, I, I intentionally drive back from my late mountain gigs to come back and play this on three hours of sleep. It's, it's really fun to hang yeah. out with you every Sunday, Andy. Do you, do you <laughs> and eat candy? Uh, I eat candy. Oh, there's candy in the green room kitchen, green room. Um, candy in the green room. And it's amazing. It's the dark chocolate Milky Ways. I've never seen them before. I've never seen a large dark chocolate Milky Way. But it's like, that alone would get me to drive, even if I wasn't playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a candy monster, as you know, as everybody at the, at, at the, there knows at Edge. Um, do you ever see, I, I've been, I think about sometimes, like, well, when will this end? Um, and not necessarily the church end. I don't think the church will end. <laughs> but eventually, everybody moves on from a gig. Mm-hmm. You know, um, wilderness starts selling out amphitheaters all over the country. And so they're gone for nine months. So you can, that, so, so not a reliable player or, no. or I moved to the other side of the country or, or you get hit by a bus, whatever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> or you get, you know, um, you know, you guys, no, no, I like ocean, the previous one, Andy. Pacific I like ocean the hits the road hard, <laughs> right? You guys, you guys hit it and you're, and you're touring Europe, whatever. Mm-hmm. is there ever a point where you'd stop playing it if you were the last one there i because i think about this with me if you were the last one there of the core group would you still do it yeah i'd probably still do it i'm i, I think that's just it it depends right you know it's like i i always say i'll only move on from things when i've exhausted all of my options right the idea that it doesn't serve you anymore right yeah, sure. um I still get a lot of value out of playing no matter what the context, you know? So it's like, Andy, as much as I love you, you know, maybe there's a new keyboardist out there who I will love just as much, you know, probably, Uh, you know, like it's, it's still, even though like Darius who I've only played with a few times is, um, you know, is, is like a, 
And every so often member, I probably haven't seen that guy for 18 months, you know, but I love playing with him Yes. You know, when Seth isn't there. So it's, it's like, if, if I'm not benefiting it, right. Like if I'm overworking myself to make this gig and not serving it well, or, you know, um, that's, that's when I'd move on from it. Right. You know, like when you're no longer, um, either benefiting it or benefiting you, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with that too. I, cause anytime someone new does come in, I end up getting along with them very well. Yeah. And they're always amazing people, you know, like it's, I I've never met someone there and thought like, wow, hope they never come back. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's always, it's, it's always good. It's good every time. Um, where did you, where did you come from? What was your upbringing like? Where did you go? Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to launch into Cotton Eye Joe there for a second. I was going to have like a cool <laughs> gym. I didn't know what was going on there. Um, uh, um, so I came from Barrington, Illinois. Um, and it felt like a smaller town. Um, I grew up on my sort of like grandparents' family farm. It's not industrial, agricultural, agricultural. Yeah. Please don't try to out Midwestern me. People do that all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What was your drive your tractor to school day like? You know, <laughs> like how many people were in your graduating class? How many hours in the field? You're like, please, please. I just like, we just lived here a long time. I'm sorry. You know, I didn't know yeah. we were entering a tacit Midwestern competition. This is the only time I've seen people from your hostel. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, so I grew up in Barrington, Illinois, and was sort of on this larger piece of property that was my grandparents' farm. And it was awesome. It was, you know, pretty idyllic. Yeah, there's a lot of big words in there that you just use. I might, I'm gonna have to look up like three of those words you've used in the last two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, if you say things faster and put them closer together, it's sort of this German mentality of being able to combine words and it yeah. gets me a lot further than I actually am, you know? Right. Right. Now it, it's working for you. I'm, I'm all in. Keep continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun. So I, I grew up there and I started learning to play guitar because my dad um, had played guitar when he was a kid. Um, and, you know, um, so he had this old uh, Mexican built Telecaster and actually if we're doing the gear thing again, he's got, he had this amp right here, which I'm gonna have fixed, um, which is a, a, it's a refinish, as I've recently found out a refinish of a red knob Fender Champ. And it's been redone with black knobs, but it's, it's, it's I'm showing it to you because it's this re- weirdly vibey snakeskin Tolex cover. Wow. So. That's cool. I think I have a pair of boots covered in that. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels like it should have a pull string in the back and say the same things that Woody did in the Toy Story, you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, like, uh, but it's an amazing amplifier and it sounded great. And I didn't realize how lucky I was to be playing it when I was growing up because it's, it's a little harsh. The brights are a little high on it. And so hoping to either, you know, get it fixed up or modded sometime in the next month here because it kind of just came out to me. But yeah, that's like that. I've got a blues driver in my case over there. Blues, yeah, blues driver. Um, and then that Mexican Telecaster were what I grew up learning how to play guitar in. Um, and then I got super into strats. I started buying strats when I was like 15. Was there a specific artist or type of music where you were living that gave you that wow moment? Yeah, it was, um, it was blues, blues music. Um, so it was, um, I, my dad worked in the city, um, in a where in a warehouse for managing a warehouse, managing the family business, which was like trucking and warehousing. And so we would hang out on Saturdays when you'd have to like drive around and we hung out on weeknights too. It's not like my dad was just absent. It's his birthday today. So happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Um, uh, I gotta call him after this. I don't know what he's up to, but, um, he, uh, he would play like the the local radio station in the car for me on Saturdays and we'd drive to the bank and um, 
Um, <laughs> I, I love the, uh, I'm seeing your text right now. We, we've got a time limit set on us arbitrarily by, uh, um, I know. Even though there's only two of us, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't realize it was going to bing. Yeah, we have we have uh, nine minutes left with the time limit. Let's we'll do what we can, and then yeah. and then if we need to you know start a new one. We will. Yeah, this is not a big deal to me. Um, but yeah, so it was like hearing local like blues artists, Chicago blues artists, on the radio station in the truck. No. Awesome. Is there it back now? You're back. You're back, baby. Sweet. So turns out you truck. <laughs> yeah. So we were listening to blues artists in the truck. So I loved like hearing like the Chicago blues uh, music on the radio. And that was sort of where I like got this idea in my head about playing guitar, like listening to, you know, finding out that my dad had like these old buddy guy and muddy waters records and being able to try to mimic them, you know, like when I started playing guitar at like 11, 12, yeah, you know, then really curious about it at 13, 14, practicing multiple hours a day, just playing along with those tracks in the basement for as long as I could, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Especially growing up in a place like that, you know, that's a, yeah. a magical place for, for blues music. And so then why, why did you leave? So I, I got, um, I, I just wanted to play guitar and, you know, like I didn't realize, like, I didn't really have formal training. I had an amazing teacher by the name of, um, Ryan Budiak and he's still a local musician in the area. He's an excellent guitar player. Um, and he taught me how to play the guitar very well, but I didn't necessarily understand like what it would take to be a professional musician. And so I really just desperately, wanted to play the guitar as well as I could, right? I, I didn't necessarily go in thinking like, I'm gonna be this famous musician and I know what it looks like and this is my dream. It was just this thing where like I said, I, I just don't wanna give up the guitar no matter what, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the only way to pursue it further was um, going to school for it. And so I'm not knowing what my level was or how, how I could compete. Cause I wasn't in the jazz band. I couldn't read music. I learned everything by ear, you know, um, you know, and so I, I got it together. I learned jazz music by ear and recorded it in the Midwest sound recording, which is a like recording studio that was underneath the coffee shop in town. It was like this weird basement studio. Yeah. And we mailed these like DVDs off to like schools. And I went to a few and auditioned in person, but, you know, Denver ultimately accepted me. Um, and their program at the time was very playing based. You know, you were always going to be in an ensemble and always getting coached and always examining a different era of music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need that kind of intensive um, sort of drive to help me understand what I'm missing because I've been playing in a basement for the last five or six years of my life and I think I'm okay you know it's like I played locally I was better than a lot of the people in town you know I felt good about it I'd been playing gigs um, but I still had zero concept for what that meant for me as somebody who just wanted to play the guitar you know yeah more than anything and so it was it was weird it was a weird learning experience you know like I like I had to do classical auditions. So I rented a classical, a classical, a classical guitar. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I asked a local classical teacher to just play my audition pieces and I videoed him doing that and then just looked at his hands forever. Cause I couldn't read that music, you know? Yeah. So I got my classical auditions together by just like hearing what somebody else was supposed to sound like and having a video so I could match it up. And then I just did that, you know? Yep. It's like, I felt a little dishonest. I felt like I was fooling a lot of these colleges saying like, Hey, look at, here's my classical audition. Like here's my jazz audition. Like I didn't read any of the music. I don't know how to do this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a DVD, so you can't check. I just want to do this. So I'll figure it out when I get there, you know? Yeah. And what there's, you hear more and more things about college. Now I'm a college kid too. I went to college for piano. Um, but you hear more and more things about it, like, oh, it's super expensive and you could just take lessons from the professor for a fraction of the price or or mm -hmm. this, that. And I, 
a lot of people are going that route now saying, yeah, yeah I'm not going to do the college thing. I'm just going to go start gigging. And it works for some people. Other people, I think, need that college structure and you can, you know, whatever it is about the price. And, and obviously it's a huge privilege to be able to go to school. Yeah. Um, but how, how was it for you? Would you have been able to figure out what you needed to know? Mm. Um, say you still had some budget for education. Would you yeah. be able to figure out what you needed to know without the formal college training? I think so. I think that's, um, you know, I think that a lot of those people are very, I, I think a lot of those people who are going that route these days are correct in doing that, right? Um, I think that college is unnecessarily expensive, yeah. Um, especially when you are right, you can pay like right as when you think about what a college costs, and then paying a like the professor like a hundred bucks a lesson, right? If they're really you know incredible, right? Like the, it's a personal range, right? Based on a lot of factors, you and I both know that. Yeah. But if you could pay a professor every two weeks, a hundred bucks to give you a lesson and you spend like eight hours a day practicing, you know, like living at home, maybe getting a part-time job and then trying to go to jam sessions, you're going to get a very similar experience, right? Um, networking you know, included? I think networking included. They say that a lot of the times, and I didn't hear this until after I left college, but when you go to school for music, you're not actually paying for an education, you're paying for contacts. Um, right. Started to make a lot more sense to me um, after I graduated. And that is true, right? Like having college professors being able to see you in a um, in that setting for a long time, if you're really working hard, they may put you on gigs towards the end of your tenure at that school, right? Yep. But I don't know that that's put anybody so much further ahead that they couldn't work their way up in the scene starting at 18 and get heard of the same way. You know what right. I mean? Sure. We've seen people do it in the scene. I mean, a, a great example is Gabe Mervine. Like that guy's a first call trumpet player around town. Yeah. I, you know, like he's the know, guy, him, but yeah. like he didn't, he didn't go to school, you know, right. He took lessons and he practiced really hard and he's amazing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to send you a new zoom link really quick and we'll resume. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great point. There's lots of, and we're back, I should say. And we're, and we're back. back. And, and, and we beat it. We beat the Zoom clock. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's something, it's something that I find interesting because you hear a lot of different schools, um, a lot of different schools of thoughts on it. Something that intrigues me about what you're saying too is you said, I just want to play guitar. I just want to play guitar. Yeah. It seems to me that now, and I'm a hypocrite for saying this because right. I have my own project. That's <laughs> my main thing. But everybody says, dude, I've got my own. Everyone's got gigs. And they say, dude, I've got my own project too. Like, check out yeah. my project. Yeah. Uh, check out my funk project. Everyone's got their own thing where they're the front person. And you do too, to an extent right? Um, with Specific Ocean. But it is a collaborative thing. And you are not going solo and doing stuff this is your thing you just want to play guitar yeah um, I do. that makes you really unique i think in a good way um to have that i mean is there a part of you that was ever like you know what i want to sing him you know i want to sing and write my own songs and go play you know in the alec band i i think about it you know like i don't um you know i wouldn't put that totally off, off the table um but I, there, there would just be certain things that would have to change for me, you know, um, or I'd have to find some new level of motivation. But it's, it's like, like when I think about writing, the way that I write is almost like, um, I describe it like you're just weaving a cloth, right? And then you're cutting off the end of it as necessary for to patch whatever hole is in the... Um, tune that you're working on, whether that be with Specific Ocean or with any of the bands that previously employed me, um, you know. Uh, so what I think is interesting about that is that like, I'm, I'm a huge introvert. I don't like being the center of attention um, a ton. I like to be recognized for my talents and appreciated, right? But like, I don't necessarily like want this look at me feeling going on, right? Like, and, and everything that I do, I want to be 
um, like the best sideman ever, like consistently and uniquely having a voice that I can shape to use to serve the music, right? Yeah. So it's really important to me to be doing that first before I felt like I should be moving on to um, playing my own solo sets, you know, but I, I think about it. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that's totally off the table. I, I think I'd have to get a lot more courage in, in me first, but we'll figure it out. Well, you know, it sounds to me like you're in music for the right reasons. And I think everyone should be more like Alec. Oh, Andy. <laughs> so talk, let's talking about projects. Yeah. Let's jump in a little bit. I know we did a, a short conversation before the grocery store run um, with Camila. <laughs> yeah. Um, but talk, talk about the project a little bit. What is, what does that mean to you? You've been, I would say being in a band for six years is a really long time. Um, it's a really long time. It's a really long time. If you're maybe if you're selling out stadiums, maybe it's not a long time. Right. right. But, but for an, indie band who's trying to make it who's trying to get to that next level and then that next level and then that next level that's yeah. a long time um what's the dynamic between you two and why does it work so well um we're just really supportive ultra close friends um it um sorry that was a really cool sound i just made it my nose. um <laughs> um like we'll take we, it out mastering yeah yeah you'll fix it in post yeah. uh uh <laughs> <laughs> and we'll limit that there. Um, so, so yeah, it was, we met in a big band class, like, you know, my sophomore year and um, we were just like really close, very suddenly. It was just so easy to hang out with um, Camila and also Clayton. Clayton is a very, very important part of specific ocean who could no longer be in it due to just circumstances of life, you know, um, but, you know, we still talk to him regularly and we, we want to recognize him as a part of that. But we, we were all three of us just so close and it felt like, um, you know, this very um, supportive communal effort based on, like we had different approaches to music, but they all sort of wove together in a very um, easy way. And it, it created this unique sound that we were all really happy about. And, you know, it's it, trying to being having doing done it for so long, there were just like up and down periods, right? Because it, um, you know, it, it felt like we, A, like we didn't, this, some people may disagree with me on this, but like we didn't, you know, invest a ton in like marketing super early, you know, uh, like we didn't, you know, like we, we didn't have like great professional recordings super early, you know, but like we felt like we really liked the music and we got a really positive response from it live, but we just didn't, you know, like we don't have a very good website, you know, like we, we never pay a professional photographer, right? We like right. We pay artists only when we have a release and we like need to, you know, and that's just due to like budgeting and also all three of us trying to make it as, um, you know, professional independent musicians as well. You know, I feel like, um, like sometimes it's, it's really hard to invest in yourself when you're exhausted from your like six other gigs and, you know, your 20 to 30 students that you're teaching and you haven't had a day off in like, you know, two months, you know, it's, it's hard to come in excited, you know, or, you know, see a gigantic, response from like something that feels more like an ad campaign than what doing what you love, right. Just playing the guitar, just writing, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, that part always felt easy, but the marketing felt like a lot more difficult. Yeah. And so we've been doing it a long time and I feel like we get a great positive live response, but only more in the last two years, three years, maybe. Um, what I say, I'm going to say two years. Cause like 2019 is when it started to feel really good. It's like, sure. When, when we started to see like more recognition that was consistent, you yeah. know? Yeah. That that's, that's awesome. And, and where do you build on that now? Um, I mean, sure, certainly your approach has changed as everyone else's has over the last year. How do you build on that now? Um, well, it was tough. Cause we, we felt like 2020 was really going to be our year, you know, like right. and you hear every musician say that, you know, like, 
as if we weren't all going to be doing the exact same thing, teaching, going on tour, trying to make it. Like yeah, being, right, right, right. Sure. You know, um, but it really did feel that way, right? Like we were, um, you know, seeing these returns on investing in social media and, you know, being able to do interviews with local magazines and, you know, trying to be a part of more local festivals and more um, blended with the local scene than I feel like we were ever able to get out of our shells and do before, you know, um, and that was starting to ramp up for us and then it died down. And so with the COVID, you know, the COVID, um, <laughs> and, uh, so we, we've tried to like capitalize on it now by consistently releasing music, um, you know, um, trying to get into more of those interview situations like this one, um, like specific ocean just became one of the local 303 artists of the month with um uh with indie 1023 cpr right as we all used yeah we're we're really excited about that it's in celebration of women's month and you know strong female fronted bands camila wrote a song um called um killjoy um i don't know you're gonna have to cut all those ums out andy (laughs) 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 called killjoy you know about her experience um in, you know, uh, jazz as a woman, you know, and it, 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 but it's really geared towards women in all situations, you know, and so we're really, really excited about that. Um, we did a super fun cover that you can only find on YouTube of that Clayton hates of um, uh, Smash Mouth's All Star that got us in the top 10 for yeah. magazines, um, local artists, yeah. competition. You are the only one in the church band whose band got in the top 10. We felt really good about that too. Not that it was a church band competition, but no. it felt nice. <laughs> no, no, I, I got an honorable mention. And I think Emma uh, also did, I thought. Got an honorable mention as well. Yeah, yeah, but, but not you. You're top 10, my friend. I love that. I loved being top 10. Um, so what, is, what is the community what does the community mean to you as an indie artist and not even necessarily the Denver community, but as you, I mean, obviously your goal is to, I don't know if it's to get as big as possible, but to your goal, like every other artist is to grow. Right. So uh, you see some people take the strategy of, okay, we're going to hit the road and we're going to hit 10 cities four times a year. Yeah, We're going to hit the road when our bosses let us off work. I, that one, I don't think works as well. Um, And then you have the people that try to, just really cultivate a local, a local community. So what is, what does it mean to you in that way? I mean, is that, is, is that the main thing for right now is growing the local community going to help in the long run? Is, is, is that how you see it as opposed to Mm -hmm. hitting a jillion towns for 200 dates a year? I mean, I would love it. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm the right person to speak on what works here because like specific ocean is pretty small. Like it's smaller than Andy Sitto band. It's smaller than wilderness, you know, it's smaller than I feel like a lot of the people who you actually end up talking to. Um, I, but that's, but that's, yeah, but that's not true either because you guys, <laughs> you guys are a well-known band around town and yeah. And not even speaking. I mean, and asking the question from the direction of uncertainty, yeah. I don't know what to do next. Yeah. You don't know it. I mean, nobody yeah. really knows what the right approach is. So what right. is it? how do you, how do you guys see it? You're cultivating the local community. I feel like I'm taking that same angle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I oftentimes feel like I'm doing a really poor job of it. So, you <laughs> know, you that, Andy? But, I feel like I yeah. see you everywhere. You're awesome. Like, your video releases have been fantastic. Like, well, but there's, but there's, I mean, as a musician, it's hard not to get discouraged with your route, right. what you're doing. We but just did it both to each other. We just did it to each other. <laughs> but you're doing, you guys are, are doing a really good job of getting out in the local scene. Yeah. Um, what was my point? And what's, I'm losing track of the question now. <laughs> so I, cause I think about these things all the time. Yeah. Like, what am I doing and why am I doing it this way? Right, right, right. Um, what are you doing and why are you doing it that way? Um, I think we're doing what we kind of always had done, right? We were always local because it was always, it was really hard for us to tour, right? When you're, when your budget is so minimal to begin with, um, you know, like we would love to be employing all of our ultra talented artist friends all the time, you know, and not, you know, like have 
like, like feel like we're not able to give back to the community through more employment in that way, you know? Yeah. And, and another big issue there was trying to get on tour, right? It was like, like, do we have the money to give up, you know, um, our local gigs for a month, have them be filled, have those be threatened, right? Because that's another issue, right? Sure, you leave your local gig to go out on the road, make less money, and you come back, you might not have, you might not have your local gig, or you might be sharing it. Yeah, you might lose students, you know? It's like, it's hard to throw away those little budgets when you're, like, already so, like, close to the ground, you know? Um, those little budget things, right? Those little yeah. bumps. And, you know, so so I guess we were always going with that route almost out of necessity, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but it's also important to me to be a part of your local community because, like, you can't, it's, it's like that thing you like, you can't forget where you came from. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like if, if specific ocean, we're all of a sudden selling amphitheaters outside the, like all over the country. And then we are like, you know what? And now we're moving to New York where it's a bigger scene. Cause Denver, this place is awful. Look at all these tiny towns with these tiny people and their little bands, you know, we're going to the best places, places to play. You know, exactly. that yeah. make the best places to play. That is, that is, you know, that I was saying that for all irony and sense of purpose. Um, yeah. That's and purpose. But um, those are not my real feelings. I love the venues here, but that's the thing, right. Is that like, like I love it here. Right. And I have been living here for, you know, eight years full time. You know, this is my community, you know, like I want people to know my band here more than anything. Right. I want to be a Denver band and I would want to be known nationally as a Denver band, you know. Right. It's that sense of pride for your hometown. Right. Exactly. Like that. This is where I am. You know, these are my people. These are who supported me in the beginning. And like, that's really important. And I want to be able to give back. Right. You know, like when you have a larger band, a, a larger band on tour come in from out of town and you want to be able to bring all the people out and say, hey, I'm really proud to be playing with this band on tour. Here are my fans. You know, like here are the people who have supported me and yeah. um, this group um, for a long time. And we would love to be able to lend the support there, right? Like it, yeah. nothing, no, nowhere, it's like we were talking earlier about trying to pick up fans in the previous conversation with Camila, right? Yes. Yes. The idea that we're seeing strangers coming out in this pandemic, right? Strangers, people who right. don't know you and are just willing to go see it because it's something new, it's something to do, you know? Yeah. And like, that's how you, you know, that's, that's why we go on tour, right? It's so that you hopefully pick up fans in a different state who will eventually spread your name and give you a different market somewhere else to allow you more income, more freedom, more of a budget, more creativity, right? right. More time to dedicate to this stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and I think, you yeah, know, that's important, right? Like I want to hire local artists to do my art, right? Like I want to support local venues, you know, I want to support local restaurants and food trucks, you know, it's like, I, I want to support bands coming into town with the support from my community, you know, so I think that's what's really important about that. It's cool that you guys are growing with a tremendous amount of pride for, for your hometown. Um, yeah. And it's cool that you call Denver your hometown now too. Yeah. Um, right. What's the ultimate if you, you know, it, mm -hmm. you're talking about opening for people and picking up fans that way and taking up that market space, like you want to be the band that when these other bands come to town, they want you to open. Yeah. Um, what's that ultimate band for you? Who's, who's the oh. group that you want to open for when they're in town? Wow. I had not, I never think about this question. Um, Cause I, I feel like I like lots of bands that, that don't necessarily mesh um, stylistically with um, uh, Pacific Ocean, you know, like um, w we really love Crumb um, and we get compared to Crumb a lot because it's the sort of like indie rock with jazz harmony, female singer comparison. Um, right. Uh, and, but we, yeah, but we also love Crumb. Um, a Grizzly Bear is another one that I would love to open for. Um, yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to think about who else. I would love to open for Madison Cunningham. Um, I think she is just an amazing songwriter. I love her writing. Um, 
trying to look at things that I listened to recently. Um, I would honestly, um, I love Maggie Rogers. Like she's really poppy and gigantic. She would sell out a stadium, so we would never open for her, but she's awesome. Well, you, but maybe you would. Maybe I would, maybe, you know, like if, you know, if there were any of the stadiums around here really wanted, um, us, I'm trying hey, to, think. but the, but that's, you know, that's true. That's true. 2020, 2020 was your year, right? <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> 20, you know, it, that, but that sort of thing, that sort of thing. I also think, and maybe I'm, I'm totally wrong on this, but that sort of thing is cool about being a part of a community and a part of your town too, is if, you know, if you're one of the groups in that genre or in that, in that thing, you do get those opportunities. Um, yeah. You know, especially here, you see local bands that were playing Lost Lake two years ago, yeah. opening at Red Rocks and then oh. headlining at Red Rocks or the Mission Ballroom or whatever. It's yeah. actually, it's kind of amazing to see with a, a lot of the bands in the community, I think. Yeah. I think that is, uh, yeah, that is, that is what's incredible. Like seeing that it's, I hate, I, I hate to call it meteoric, um, but it, it has that feeling sometimes you're like, wow, like that's my friend. And we played Lost Lake, you know, six months ago and now they're at red rocks you know and that yeah. is so cool for yeah them, you know like yeah. that's sick <laughs> oh man um and but then I, but then you know i know you have that same thought that you're like that the bar fight mentality of like well why not us next time yeah right exactly nothing taking away from them that's their no, opportunity no, no. and that's awesome but you certainly are like well let's we we, we, we want to get a gig like yeah. that like i'm 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 good too you know, like you said, almost apprehensively, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, I, I, yeah, yeah. I could do that. You know, I don't know about you or me. I'm shy. So I say it like that in my head, you know, like I, I think so, you know, like you're not shy once you get to know you. That's true. That's true. I open up very quickly, but I'm very reserved in the beginning. This is probably why a podcast with you is ideal because any other interview I do, I sit there like this for most of it. And then I say one thing and it sounds very prepared. And then I go back to sitting and I look so uncomfortable. Not <laughs> us, man, we've spent five hours a week together through most of the pandemic. Actually. I, I know it's like, you think about that and you're like, eh. that was, that was our one gig. Even when we were, you know, I mean, I mean, and even still right. Sitting far apart and, and yeah. playing music on the other side of the room, but we are yeah. still, um, you're one of the few people that I've seen in person throughout most of the year. There, obviously, there was the complete shutdown that's happened a couple of times. Yeah, um, you that's know, we're not doing anything, but yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's been amazing, honestly. Like I, uh, like I love hanging out with you guys every week. It's amazing, super fun. It's it's the best. What's, um, what would you say is the biggest setback for? for it could be for you or your group right now and what's the next step that to take the biggest setback um was probably just like you know the loss of the live scene you know because as, as i had stated before we're like you know because of budgetary reasons because you know we're not able to hire people in the way that i want all the time you know uh like you know, we didn't have a very strong online presence, I would say, you know, or a very curated one. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest setback from the last year was just losing the opportunity to um, play live. And also as a result of that is like piggybacking off of your friends, right? When you like, it's like we were talking about a second ago, you know, not so much the bar fight mentality, but it's like when your friends get red rocks, you know, and you're still at Lost Lake, but you get put on the same like, you know, mark marquee like festival lineup together, right? And then you can go, hey, could you give us a shout out? Can you help us out in any way? Like, can we play a gig with you? You know, yeah, we've got this sort of now mounting more digital campaign for name recognition, and you know, it's like, is is there any way, you know, you and and oftentimes you don't even have to ask, right? Like somebody you, you put out a single and someone's like your friends are posting it and they're commenting and they're sending it to their friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing that I love about this scene is, you know, like we always joke, it's a very small scene, but it's also like supportive too, which I love. So, um, you know, I think the next step is for us at the very least is sort of um, 
continuing forward with trying to stay consistent on our releases. Um, you know, we, we went into the studio to record half of our, um, half, an, half of an album, half of a full length release. Um, and then we're, we're hoping to write and like write and finish writing the other half and then go in in the next, you know, like six to eight weeks and then be able to release something else from there and be able to say like, hey, look, we're doing things. We didn't forget about you. Please don't forget about us. Yeah, don't forget about us. Yeah. Like, it's stuff is coming and, and we want to see you guys when, you know, hopefully 70 to 80% of the country is vaccinated and I don't feel as bad about like, going out into public, you know, and asking people to do the same for me. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I love, you know, both the, the latest releases and, um, hopefully we can clear it to play both of them on the episode. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on chatting about your musical upbringing, um, chatting about the church gig with me, chatting about the band, and a uh, shout out to, to Camila also for hopping on short notice. We just said, Hey, we're sending you a link right now. Let's yeah. talk about the single. And she did. So thank you. Oh, yeah, she's, well, I'll, I'll chat with her again, uh, again, some other time. Yeah, definitely. You said she's, she's amazing. She has a wealth of musical experience and she's an outrageously good piano player and vocalist like, and composer, right? She's amazing on all those fronts. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the stuff all sounds great. I always love hearing the stuff that comes out. It's such a mesh of different influences. And um, yeah, yeah. So thanks for sharing your music and thanks for chatting with me. And I'll see you on Sunday. Sweet. I'll see you on Sunday, Andy. <laughs> Rock and roll. My conversation with Alec Wenzel. And before that, my conversation with Alec Wenzel and Camila Vititis. They're of the band Specific Ocean. Um, and Alec does a bunch of other cool things as well that we found out um, through the course of the last hour in three different Zoom conversations. Um, for that reason, this episode will not be on YouTube. Not dealing with that. Um, so this is just uh, streaming only, listening only, I should say. We're going to play this episode out with the song Killjoy. I hope you enjoy. And for any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, death threats, you can email me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.